Blog Talk Radio. What's up, what's up? Wakusu, wake up, clean up, stand up. It's your brother Yanga coming to you today on Tuesday. I got it right today, I believe. Last time I came, I was, listen, I was on a Saturday thinking it was Sunday. Whole thing thrown off. But I'm for certain that today is Tuesday because it's less talk about it. It's the day that we rap to you. We found out what's going on. I come to you, myself, brother Shaka, just bringing the issues, man, and getting uh, different takes and perspectives, always looking forward to getting your take and perspective, always looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it. That's what it's all about, you know, us coming together, building together. I think I jumped the gun a little bit. I talked to Shaka. I was, he and I were speaking a little earlier before the show. And, uh, you know, I jumped the gun. I'm so excited about next Tuesday's show. I actually labeled it today about Black August, but I, I'm I'm going to ease up, <clears throat> pump the brakes a little bit, slow down. You guys that are reading the top, uh, reading the title and listening to me, please forgive a brother. Just, hey, chalk it to the heart. I mean, chalk it to the head and not the heart, man. Just overexcitement. What I do want to talk about, though, it is related to what I put up there, because to me, it's Relate to it, Black August a little bit has uh, become commercial. Like a lot of things that we as black people here in America participate in, I think our inability to divorce ourselves from the system that uh, we live in makes us um, just look at, at everything from that perspective. I mean, and it's understandably so. What other perspective are you going to look at it? Listen, you live a certain way. 
you eat a certain way, you breathe a certain way, you're taught a certain way, you can't help but to think a certain way, and thought produces actions. So you're going to behave a certain way. And the way that we behave, uh, since we've been taught this way, is never really in our best interest. And the whole commercial capitalism aspect of the thing is not in our best interest because we're not taught to be be producers. We're not taught how to participate in it from uh, the perspective of competition with others as it embodies an inclusiveness. He's like, like, what the hell are you talking about? A cooperative capitalism, if that makes any sense. We have to be able to compete with other people production-wise with still enriching the lives and the value of black people. They still have to have some, uh, if not ownership, tie to the business or the business has to have some tie or commitment to them. Capitalism is just a machine that invites our consumption. It gets us to, it dangles and tantalizes us with all of these just trinkets, and we just spin, spin, spin. Oh, we go crazy, and we spin crazy. And we have all of these things that we didn't participate in the production of, we don't participate in the retail of, or anything. We just are left with a product that a lot of times is just of low quality and very inferior in every sense of the word. Every sense of the word. They mass produce them. It's a fear they know where to target it. They send it to the, that's why I get, listen, they got a store called Target. (laughs) Target, bingo, on the money. So we do that by us not really embracing and holding to a culture or holding to anything that we would say is our culture, even if we don't agree altogether that this makes a culture. Or we don't agree all together that this defies what black is. We have to agree at some point that certain things are ours. I don't think a lot of people would disagree that hip-hop is, isn't ours. I don't think there's a lot of people that would, dis, would, would, would disagree with that. Jazz, things of those natures. But by us being the originators and the creators and the inventors of these things, why aren't we the recipients of the rewards of them, of the benefit? You know, and a lot of it comes from, it is because of manipulation. It is because of trickery. It is because of suppression and oppression. I won't deny that. But we have to look at the base, some of the base root problems of it. And that comes from the education. That comes from the way we're taught to perceive ourselves in anything that we create. When we don't see ourselves as a people, we believe that our invention. I'll, I'll, I'll be, okay, yeah, they're for humankind, but they should first start out for our advancement, our elevation, for better living, resulting in better conditions for the people, from, you know, to the people whom which you came from. If I'm the inventor of a thing, of course I'm trying to invent things for black people. And when the rewards of that thing, when it's time to reap the harvest of it, whether that's monetary or any type of benefit that comes from it, I and my people should be the first to get the benefits. 
You know, I and my people should be the first to get those benefits. I'm sorry. Give me a high moment. And that's a, and that's the point that we're you know that I'm that I'm trying to lay down in this era of commercialism and materialism, where your stature and your manhood for those males in our race is measured by material possession, and so things that we should hold sacred, things that we should hold dear to us, we begin to put prices on them. You know, we begin to, we don't hold them as sacred as we should. Shocker, you're getting a lot, I'm getting a lot of static, brother. I opened you up. Oh, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I'm going to try to correct that. Okay. I'm going to put myself on mute. That might kill some of the background static. Okay. So what I was explaining to him, man, I told him charge the, Charge the head and not the heart. I told him I'm so excited about next week's show. I jumped the gun, you know, and it's just it's just out of excitement. So I dare again, listeners, you know, I'll say it again. Hey, forgive me, but this does touch on the topic that I wanted to talk about. And it's just our our inability to grasp a individualism, not an individual person, but individual as an as an ethnicity. Uh, and not fall into so much of the commercialism. You know, what do we hold our measure and our worth by? We'll take the most sacred things and make them mundane, all for the sake of materialism, a monetary gain. You know, we lose the true meaning of of things behind turning it into uh, over-celebratory events, Opportunities to, uh, you know, opportunities to, like, further ourselves economically. And I'm not knocking that. You know, I'm definitely not knocking that. I think that that's a must in the black community. But we have to be careful with anything. And this may just be coming from a faith-based revolutionary. Listen, you, you, you don't let's talk about it with shocking anger. The mic is open throughout any of the program. You can press one. We'll recognize it. We would love to get your take on it because we're sitting here spending a This is what you call barbershop talk. You know, this is right, barbershop right, talk. Right. We're just, we're, 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 you know, right? Am I right, Shaka? That's what it is, man. It's, it's yeah, that man. kind of community talk that we don't have no more. Word. See, so that's, you know, and that's, and that's my take on it. I think that we've just become very commercial with it. And, you know, like I was going back to say, the problem that I have with furthering economics if it's not based in black nationalist ideology and spirit of black nationalism, not black, not capitalist black nationalism, not just let you know buy black, but a sentiment of uh, buying black to further and advance your people. How does that work? Listen, a great book, all y'all going to have to go back and read is Miseducation of a Negro by Carter G. Woodson. He talks about that. He talks about how black businesses don't produce, black business schools don't produce what we need in the black community. They produce just really more cars in the machine. They produce us to be what white America needs us to be. Therefore, when we have black businesses, 
we're trying to compete in white America, but we don't invest. The black businesses don't invest back into what? The institutions that are going to educate, empower future generations that are going to be their consumers. You have to feed your own white people have that because they're white, white privilege, white entitlement. But we're not building institutions that start to teach us socially and culturally the importance of buying black, how to run black businesses that address black issues. Why? And, 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 and I'm, 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 oh, speak on that, Shaka. I mean, I'm, everything you're saying is correct, man. And I think another part of it to me is you mentioned earlier, like the extra celebration, the celebratory attitude. But my thing is, and part of the background noise because I'm on the road, my thing is also what, what the fuck are we celebrating? Like, what are you celebrating? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. What the fuck are we celebrating? You know, we're talking about individuals who have given their lives to advance a movement that, quite honestly, is not advancing. So I don't think we should be doing so much celebration. We should honor those that came before us, but we should get down to the drawing board and, and seriously critique. Do we got a revolution going on here? Are we trying to start a revolution? Or do niggas just want to have a get-along, go-along, it's okay moment? And that's real. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, as we talk, I'm going to talk on that, man, because I feel like we, we're not. We're not in that stage. All I see out here in a struggle, like you said, when it comes to economics, we're yelling buy black, but we're not building institutions to support black with the money that comes from buying right. black. You know, right. we're talking, we have, a, we, have a, we have a situation now where the government of the United States of America is on her last toe. She, she is in turmoil. She is weak. Any other place would be prime. If we, if we were predators like we're supposed to be, we would, we would strike right now. And we would strike in a mm-hmm. way that would put us in a position of independence. Instead, we're goddamn holding the system up because majority of us are too interested in fighting to preserve your rights, fighting to preserve your status. Mm-hmm. We don't have any rights. We don't have any status. And this, if we're going to talk about Comrade George Jackson, then that is the discussion that should be on the table. Black August should be talking about those who said, fuck the system. We want our own. We're not trying to get along. We're not yeah. trying to build with that. We're trying to push that shit off the edge. And that, I don't think that that's the voice out there right now. Absolutely not. You're right. Yeah, absolutely not the voice. I think the whole, I think the whole, I don't want to say the theory of revolution because those of us that believe in revolution and understand it know that the theory is there, but just, uh, I, I want to say maybe the language or whatever has been hijacked. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You have people who are masquerading their uh, fight to maintain to ensure that they maintain their rights is revolution. And I think that that disillusions a lot of people. The lack of political education disillusions a lot of people to what real revolution is. So they think the loudest joker in the crowd. They think the brother right. with the most black on or the brother with the biggest gun is the most revolutionary. You know, and and, exactly. and, and when you, you know, misdirected and Misfocus like that, anything comes into anything comes into play, you know. And like exactly. you said, as far as the celebratory attitude, you know, uh, man, we we they the the illusion of inclusion is so thorough that we really, like you saying, Shaka, we really feel like we have the time to sit here and celebrate. We do a touchdown dances, end zone dances, like we really. And how many teams have messed up on the one yard line? Uh, you know what I'm saying? So we can't, yeah, we can't afford to be, we can't afford to be doing that move. So it's just about changing attitude. I think that real, 
those of us, and this is why I'm looking forward to next week's show, those of us that are in the know uh, really have to begin to launch, in my opinion, of course, a damn near psychological warfare, social cultural warfare without the, without the cultural nationalism. We have to reawaken not only the spirit of revolution, but redirect uh, the masses to start looking into what real revolution is. We have to offer that clean glass. The glass has been muddied exactly. so long. Exactly. Go ahead. You said something, brother? No, I was saying you're exactly right. I agree. I'm just saying exactly. Yeah. You, you hit that. You hit it on the head, man. We got to start really. Yeah. You know, you look at one thing you, Doctor Peter said that I totally agree with is that we have to form a culture of revolution. Fidel Castro, mm-hmm. the great Fidel Castro, has been dead for what? Maybe three, four years now. It's been a minute. But yeah. the spirit of revolution is just like he's right there right now. And that ain't just him. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a group of people that put that together. But I'm giving his name because people recognize that name. But the point I'm trying to make is you look at these places. You know, you look at even places you don't agree with. Let's, let's pick places in the world where you don't agree with. Their governments exist because there's a certain culture on the ground that mandates the teaching of that culture to the new generation. Mandates. Yes. Not by choice, but mandates. Mm-hmm. You know? For those of us mm-hmm. who understand incarceration, you know, we, Black August is a time that we should be looking at our brothers and sisters who are behind the wall. And I'm not just talking about political of a, of a military status or of a political consciousness, but I'm talking about those who are behind the wall because they're victims of the society. What are we doing to create right. systems in our communities that can bring these people back in to our communities and give them what they need and work with their families so we can break this cycle of misinformation about incarceration. Incarceration is not a thing Mm -hmm. handed down to criminals. Incarceration is Mm -hmm. a thing handed down to those who have given up on the system, those who have realized we don't need the system, and maybe they don't have the best way of exercising that understanding of liberation. That's what we need to start teaching Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Listen, you're listening, you're, talking, you're listening to us talk about it with uh, Shaka and Yangerman. Like I said, it's an open forum, barbershop talk, press one at any time. We'll recognize you can jump in the conversation uh, and be a part of it. I agree with you, Shaka. I think just the whole, but you know what? And that goes back to my training and, and being the chairman of the People's Party. That's point number five. We want true history to teach the the, uh, we want a history that teaches the true nature of this decadent society and the black man and black woman's role in it. I think that the education, it starts with education. It goes back to what you're saying, that, that culture of resistance and revolution. Our history has to be taught in a certain way, and not just from a um, uh, historical perspective, even though it's our history, not just from a history lesson perspective, but from the perspective of how it's practical, how we should react, how we're viewed, and we are, and it's taught in certain ways, you know. But it's taught from a fear perspective. We teach our boys how to avoid police, what to say, what to, what to do, and what not to do, you know. So we do evolve according to to society and how society treats us. But when you talk about generational uh, behaviors and habits for success. I really can't think long-term anything we pass down. You know, we've tried so hard to integrate, so hard to really find our safety in their laws, thinking maybe the closer that we are to them, maybe if we show them that we're civilized, 
then they will accept us and not treat us so harshly, all the while forgetting that they're the ones that are uncivilized. It isn't a matter of us showing them that we're civilized. They're uncivilized. And the more that you show them you're civilized, the more that you infuriate them. History bears witness to it. Look at Black Wall Street. You can't show these devils that you have more sense than they do. They won't be outdone in anything. Right. Even You know what I'm saying? So uh, right, right. That, that history, and, and going back to business, when we talk about business, like learning business, when we go to their schools, when we go to their institutions of higher learning and we learn things, we should still come back. This is why I talk about having that communal aside having that black nationalist eye. If you was the if your daddy was a shoe shiner, you did, and he sent you to college, and you went and learned engineering and all that, you should be coming back thinking about how to make a shoe shine machine. Or if you went into business, how to get from the shoe shine corner to how can we invest in the leather? How can I get into the production of making shoes? Something along the line, the business, along the business, practical business that your family has. Like, for instance, you're you're a trucker, shocker. You know, if you flip the game and start buying trucks and you have sons and you start showing them the game, they go to school for business, but they come into businesses not to go work for IBM, not to go work for a Fortune 500 company, even though they made the best grades in college and every major company is sending them everything. We'll give you a thousand billion trillion. Like when you was a little kid, a trillion dollars. And they <laughs> right, say, right, no, right. I'm going to work, you know, right. I'm going to work for my father's trucking company. I'm taking all his brilliance and his genius and I'm going for my truck company because now it becomes a legacy. I have children so on and so forth. We don't, we're not trained to think about that. We don't think about, we're like, man, I'm not turning down that six figure salary to go get my hands greasy and work for dad and his trucking company. You know, the enticement and the seduction to pull the brilliance away from our community really is hard for, that's what they talk about sellouts and selling your soul. It really is hard. It's easy for a lot of people to say on a lower scale, but how many really have been tempted with that big sellout opportunity? And a lot of you that have have sold out, not for money. Some of y'all sold out for a lot less things. If you really want to be right. honest, you know you have. Right, right, right. <laughs> so right, yourself right. for a lot right. less. Exactly. You know, you know and, and, the, and the crazy thing about it is, I'm glad you brought up the whole situation using an example of advancing business. Like, true indeed, I'm a trucker. This is something I, I've invested in my life. But if you remember shortly, recently I took my sons on a road with me, you know, not yep. to make them super truckers, but to show them the inside of the business. To show them the back side of it. Let's get up under this hood. Let's mm-hmm. get all this. So now your job, right, your job is to go, you're going to be a business owner by the time you come in, but I'm teaching you the ropes so you're familiar with it. Right. So when you do, when you get to that point, you'll be ahead of them because the capitalist system is based on exploitation of the worker. I'm showing you what it is to be the worker. So when you come in, you have a compassion mm-hmm. for the people, and your compassion plus your ingenuity is going to make you sore. But we're not doing that. I just, Absolutely. as we're talking, a truck just pulled off with three Amish gentlemen. For those that don't know, that's a religious sect here in Pennsylvania where I'm at. And this truck was a uh, looked like a father. It could have been two sons. But they were in this truck together pulling off. And I'm saying to myself, he's passing that, that knowledge to the next generation. That is a revolutionary culture. You know, that's what we have to start passing on. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and building. Absolutely. Uh, and we're not doing that. We're Absolutely. not doing that, man. That's why it's so important that we, we get serious, man. And, and you know, you know, you know how we do. We're not here to hurt no feelings, but we ain't here to cradle no feelings either. I'm, you know, you do it not when you're right. talking about your exactly. existence, right? You know, and we are we you are know. sitting like you said, we 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 teach. I don't even call it survival. We teach existence tactics: how to exist with mm. the least confrontation, how to exist to get mm. to your 18th birthday without being killed by the cops, how to exist to stay in your job without being fired, how to exist. You know, I would like us to get to survival, because survival tactics teach you not just to exist, but how to overcome and put the game on a whole other level. And we need to start thinking like that. And Black right. August is supposed to be, like you and I said earlier this week, for those, you know, for the for the Christian, you have a month called Lent. For the Muslim, you have a month called Ramadan. You know, these are the times when you're supposed to go into sabbatical and recharge spiritually and look at your devotion to your faith and question your devotion and make it stronger Reconnect with your your spiritual or religious community, etc. Well, for the revolutionary, for the black freedom fighter, that's what Black August is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that bump where we go on sabbatical and we ask ourselves, are we doing what we can do? Is it where it's supposed to be? Let's get with the elders and ask them, what did you have on your mind when you started this that I'm picking up right now? It's not to be sitting around just focusing on a few people because to me, Black August is becoming like black history. You hear about the same people every year. Every year on Black History Month, we hear about Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King, you know, Harriet Tubman, uh, that's a few others, you know. So when Black August comes, we hear about George Jackson, Harriet Tubman, the Haitian Revolution, Marcus Garvey, that's it. You know, Denmark Vichy yeah. maybe. And yeah. I'm start, starting to hear less about him too. So what are we doing? You know, and I feel like not taking away from any of the things that exist because, hey, it's beautiful that we are at least even recognizing that we have a culture of revolution, but we need to step it up. We need to step yeah, it up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or it won't become a culture of revolution. I think we, we live in an era too clearly where we've seen that done. Look at, look at the, uh, look at the message of our dear brother, El Haj Malik Shabazz, and brother Malcolm and brother you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Start revolutionary. And due to material, due to commercialism, uh, exploitation, and everything else, like you were talking about, I love that thing. And see, brother, I've been trying to steer away from this show so that we can have this next week. But you had said something to me when you and I were speaking. You was like uh, how they played uh, uh, brother Che out of the picture, and you brought it out like you were so right, man. The Che boom, man. Speak on that for a minute, man. Then we're not gonna go in depth, man. We're gonna let the OGs. Yeah. Take us there, but I, you know, but break that down though. You know, the whole danger yeah, of, of, and this is what I mean about them taking the, the the steam out of the revolutionary culture. Definitely. Well, what I was talking about is is called the saturation tactic. It really, I learned it in business class. To be honest with you, how in mm. order to make to bring something out, they 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 bring a product out, a product that is maybe unfamiliar but has the potential. They oversaturate it to the point where you see it everywhere. And then they phase it out real smooth, and you don't even miss it. So they have used this business tactic, you know, which is capitalism, to, to exploit and destroy our heroes. So for us who are 50, 45, 40, when we were young, the legacy of Malcolm X was kind of incomplete. It got cut short. So we really didn't know a lot about Malcolm. You know, we kind of knew his face, and I'm, I'm in Harlem. We didn't know a lot about him. We saw him, but then all of a sudden, it was like this hip-hop came. 
And when hip-hop really came and that whole Public Enemy, uh, Boogie Down Productions, that whole flavor came, we kept hearing a lot about Malcolm. And, of course, the movie came out, Malcolm X. When the movie X came out, you started seeing the X symbol everywhere. We didn't know what it was. Then when it clicked, it became an icon. His face, his quotes, his everything. And then eventually, the marketing kicked in, and it became this multi-billion-dollar product. You know, and then it went from all of that to where we don't even see it no more. It's off the shelves. And once it's off the shelves, it's out of our mouth. You know, we're not talking about Malcolm no more. We're not big in Malcolm the way we were then. You know, and wow. the same thing happened today. Wow. You know, when, when we began to, people began to do research and study, we began to connect Malcolm, who was a black freedom fighter, with Che, who was a freedom fighter of the Latin world. And we started seeing similarities. So that, that those similarities inevitably connected two communities of revolutionaries. So now you have young cats like us who are on the streets of Harlem, the Bronx, Cleveland, wherever, and we're connecting with these young brown brothers and sisters on those streets, and we're saying, yo, you look up to Che, well, we look up to Malcolm. They're saying the same thing. We can rock. So what they do? They did it to Che. They threw Che on T-shirts and, and belt buckles and chains and, and key rings and all you name it. And then the movie Che came out, which, by the way, was a very good movie. But the, by the time the movie got out, the movie didn't even get the credit it did because so much Che imagery was out there that people was like, ah, oh, whatever, yeah. you know, and then, boom, you don't even hear about it. You don't see it on the shelves. And we have to be very careful because this is through consumerism. They have used the techniques of consumerism to make us not want to even partake in ourselves, you know, and this is something that they I do mean, quite often. I mean, yeah. that was the Black August movie. People, people critique the movie Black August which it could have been here and there, but I give it credit because it's a movie. But my thing is, how many people even seen that movie? And do you know why the movie didn't get to theaters? Because of the oversaturation of the idea of revolution to the point it wasn't even appealing to those who need revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, commercialism, consumerism, capitalism is the rule of the day. It is the weapon used when they physically freed us when they physically did away with, with segregation and Jim Crowism legally. They said, you know, because you can't change how people feel about you. That's the first thing I want to send this right. message out there to my people. You can't change. America was built on a certain sentiment. I don't care about the laws. I don't give a damn about none of that amendments or any. It was built on a sentiment. Anytime you have a people who justify the genocide of indigenous people, the, the capturing, enslavement, and just mistreatment of uh, melanated people from, from, from Africa, black people, African people, uh, who don't find anything morally wrong with this, who find this okay, justify this in their being, they are sick, perverse people. And it wasn't exactly. until, um, you know, they say, well, what about the Quakers? What about the abolitionists? You know, it wasn't until they're really being introduced and they're getting close with civilized black people that their backwards thinking began to change. They were in cahoots with it all until they ran across the Frederick Douglasses and the likes. It was like, oh, shit, these people are really like human. Uh, yeah, you think? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when they start seeing the, the, the spark of intellect, oh, oh, oh. You know, and really it wasn't just a spark of intellect. You have to think of the genius our ancestors had to, had to have because not only do I got to show you I'm intelligent, I got to communicate that to you in a whole foreign tongue and behavior. 
I got to regress. Right. You know why I'm speaking right. highly right. dialectical sound. <laughs> you can't even reproduce. I'm speaking right. on rhythms. I got to go back to Gretel. Yes, user wanna get that. Yeah, I got to speak <laughs> like that. And, right. You see what I'm saying? I got to regress, de- digress to communicate with a savage, and you call that uh, intelligence, and to, to convey that to get you to fight for what is just should be right to any living thing. You don't even treat an animal the way that black people would treat it here in America. With all that being said, Black people have to wake up. I, I think it's imperative. I, I don't like to tell us what we have to do, but here I say we have to wake up to the reality of what this country was based on and built on. And when we wake up to that reality, I think we begin to at least get a better sense of where we're at and how we, what role we play in that. You know what I'm saying? We have right. to realize right. that it's deliberate. We're not seen as a people. We don't see ourselves as a people because of the economic power. Because they say, well, black people don't have no power. The, we have economic power. And they heard me say this before. They said, well, what you mean, Brother Yanker? We have something called consumer power. It ain't the most powerful part of the economic scale and scope, but it is a power. We have consumer power. Even if we don't have mm-hmm. production power, we have the power to have these white folks fighting. If all black folks told white folks, you know what, we're we, we not even going to buy. We, McDonald's, we only eat with McDonald's no more. Home of the water right. is home of the Negro. We're going to Burger King. All black folks going to say, man, the, the McDonald's and Burger King will be in the streets fighting. It'd be like gang wars, Crips and Blues. <laughs> so Fair we enough. may not have production power to produce our own burgers, but we have the power to just where we spend our money. That's one power. Exactly. The other power that we have, what we don't give ourselves credit, is social cultural influence. We I've influence the world. You know, I, I, I can't dance really like that, but I love that dance, those dance shows, man. And my dudes are um, them twins, the twins. These guys, man, oh, yeah, if you yeah. haven't seen them, look them up on late twins, less twins. Some call them late twins. Check mm-hmm. them out; they're amazing. And I see them competing all over the world, and primarily in China and, and Japan. And these little Asian people are emulating Boogaloo and uh, Electric Legs and Mr. Wave mm-hmm. and all the cats out of New York Breakers and stuff. I grew up watching yep. Crazy Legs. You Crazy know what I mean? And we'll call you a nigga in a minute. Right, right. Because we have don't store, hold anything have a sacred. Called nigga. <laughs> right. <laughs> they got a store yeah. in China called, I mean, Japan called Nigger. That's the name of the store. Yeah. Damn. And they probably sell out. And it and it sell out because all they sell is the same thing. Like you saying, like you know, yeah. we forget that not only we have consumer power, but we were the original product of consumption. Mm. Mm. Think Come about on, that. Man. We we were the most valuable product that they had on that farm. Not the pig, not the horse, not the plow, nothing. The black skin that they stole and sold amongst each other reaped them the biggest benefit. I think there's a movie called uh, Night John. Night John is the name of the movie. It's about this brother, and it's kind of loosely based on David Walker, who many should look up. David Walker was a freed black man who would subjugate himself back into slavery 
so he can sneak on to plantations and begin to teach literacy and teach his people so that they can become literate and they can free themselves and escape. This man would put himself back in there. All right, so this Night John was this mm. kind of character. Long story short, Night John taught a little girl. He told the little girl, what you got? You know, he told her what she needed to do, and she said to Night John, well, what you got? I got a blah, blah, blah. Night John said, you know what I got? I got a letter A. And she said, a letter A? What's that? He said, the beginning of your freedom. And he began to teach her how to read. You know what I mean? So he gets captured mm. eventually, and at the end, the little girl became so smart that she began to read the, the financial books of her master, so-called master. So at the end, when he was treating all the slaves a certain way, he died and his son was real cruel. She told him, y'all ain't got to deal with this. Y'all got power. And then they said, whoa, whoa, they looking all crazy. And she tells the black people, Mr. So-and-so, you worth $1,700. Mammy So-and-so, you worth 3,000 white dollars. You worth 4,000 white dollars. Yeah. And you, an old man So-and-so, you can't see, you worth 200 of them white dollars. She was showing them that you are the power, you are the product. And that's exactly. the same thing we have to understand now, that no matter what we do, I don't care what we do, if we do it, they find a way to not only do it, but to make money off of it. We are mad in revolution, yep. and the, 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 the phrase, black lives matter, right? To hell with the, 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 yep. the white-sponsored organization. I don't give a damn about them. But the idea of the power of that phrase, it's so powerful that not only are whites saying it, but they're marketing it. You have bootleg Black Lives Matter products. When we say we can't breathe, whatever we say, goddamn, we say the new phrase is, I got a big left toe, and we connect it to something that gets popular, the world takes it and moves with it. We got to take that back. You know, we should not be asking for any sort of revolution. We should be starting it. And just like that, our revolution is going to become a world revolution because the majority of the world is watching the black man and primarily the black man and women in North America to see what are we going to do against the dragon? What are we going to do against the, the, the eagle that we're sitting on? They're watching us, waiting for us. There would be no Ho Chi Minh. There would be no Mao Zedong if it wasn't a Marcus Garvey. That's the secret Absolutely. Rate, you know, there Absolutely. would be no any uprising if it wasn't the Haitian uprising. And, you know, I, and talking to my mm -hmm. Dominican brothers and sisters out there, you know, we quickly forget about Karanabu, who is the African so-called slave who rose up on the, what they call the Dominican side of the island now. You know, the, even the idea of revolution, the white man's French revolution is based on the inspiration of the African fighting back. That's why the Statue of Liberty was black first. Like yeah. the world's liberation rests on the ideals of the black man's liberation, and we need to start start standing on that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't mean to sound overpassionate, but you know, I I, I want to get that out there because I feel like we're chumping ourselves. You know, we worried about if master gonna let us walk with our guns. We were, I don't want. I'm out here. I like. I saw. Now you got these white militia groups that are coming out and they're advocating for the first and second amendment, and you got Negroes on the line talking about, well, that's good. We need to protect the First Amendment. We need to protect. The hell with the First, Second, Third, Fourth, Fifth, Twenty Second. Hell with all that. The hell with the mm -hmm. Constitution. Mm -hmm. We live under it, and you know. I think this is where you know, Yenga. We've been behind that wall. We've been in the white man's dungeon. We weren't in there yeah. and doing what we did because we we liked it. We learned to use it to get along to get the fuck out of there. You know what I mean? And that's mm -hmm. how I view American society. I don't give a damn about this Constitution or this country. But if I'm here, I'm going to play with it and make it work to the best of my ability. But trust and believe, every ounce of me is going to be dedicated to eradicating it at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
I, I listen. I agree with every <laughs> with your statements from starting from the beginning. You know, um, I and to touch on so many of them. One of them is I think that that there again where the disillusionment comes in. You know, those cats masquerading as revolution. If you're fighting to ensure that you can have your rights, then that's what you're doing. I'm not knocking that. I'm knocking the fact that it's masqueraded as revolution. Then I begin to question, um, you know, my next question would be, what are you trying to do with it to further advance the cause of your people? That would be my next question when you operate inside that realm in that arena, you know, because we have to be careful what we participate in that we don't strengthen a system is totally against us. And then, like you said, the, the us being like goes back to what I was saying, the social cultural influences of the world, you know, of the world. How do we get the benefit from that? How do we reap the fruit from that? Um, right. And it just comes from, I, man, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I know one of the things is we would have to see ourselves as a people, and like you said, taking that revolutionary spirit, taking on that revolutionary spirit taking on it and to the extent that we, you know, we hold that to be our culture and we will fight to maintain that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Our Jewish counterparts do it. They'll take your ass to court quick for misrepresentation, appropriation, anything that they think stirs some of their psychological trauma from the Holocaust. They're quick to utilize any tool to maintain and retain the integrity of their culture, and I'm not mad at them for doing that. You have to fight with whatever weapon that you have, and I'm not one that doesn't that doesn't believe they're not above violence to maintain their status quo. Look at the state of Israel. Don't think that they won't well, resort to violent measures to maintain yeah. their position internationally, that even here nationally, that they won't resort to violent measures. You from New York, Shaka? You could probably tell the horror stories right. of black, black and brown people who've been caught in Jewish neighbor sections of New York at the wrong time Man. of night. You, you know what I'm saying? Caught, it's like being caught in Mississippi. You get caught in okay. Brown Heights, Brooklyn, at the wrong time. You will think you in Mississippi. You see what I'm saying? And Don't think they in there with the thong bob in their heads for real. Hamla, 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 ooh. Man, them yeah, dudes, they, they, have, they have stormed on precincts. There are precincts that the Jewish community has stormed on, kicked the door in because one of theirs was inside there. Exactly. You know? So so when we see that, but like we said, capitalism is the order of the day. So we'll create this very sacred, very universal form, hip-hop, break, whatever, birthed out of really – our social cultural experiences. That's what that is, man. When you're watching, man, you watch, I'm watching them cats break. I'm seeing Capuella. I'm seeing mm-hmm. this. I'm seeing African expressional dance. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing, you know, and that's what they, that's what it is. They dance it to the break, yeah. the drum break. Right, right, right. It's straight African. You know what I'm saying? And we'll take this very sacred thing birthed out of the black African experience here in America and capitalism gets us and we'll sell it. You know, for exactly. oh, sometimes oh, you gotta oh, let oh, it pass inclusive. you by. Sometimes you gotta refuse to yeah. perform at the bigger stadium for the smaller spot that your people frequent. That we don't get exactly. over to the you know, it's you know, it goes back to, you know, look, I can't 
I can't sell this out. Damn, Madison Garden. Ooh, how much? Ooh, nah, I got to do the Palladium. <laughs> you know what right, I'm saying? Right. I got I to do it. I got to do it around the corner. You might have to do it five times to equal the money of Madison Square Garden, but I'd rather do five separate shows and keep my dignity. Right, right. Keep my dignity. All we have to, like you said, we have to get from the business business savvy part that is looking for the best interest of our people and, you know, uh, what kind of thing are we negotiating that we're not sucking and swindled into deals? See, that's the whole problem with this right. capitalism and the, the promise of reward. It makes you really put, you have to weigh the value of things that shouldn't even prices. Family shouldn't have a price to it. Family should be priceless. When you live in a society that everything has a price tag to it, like people tell you here, everything can be bulk pimping. Everything got a price. Yeah, everything has a price. Yeah. You know, when you that's live that. in that society that's that. where that's the prevailing philosophy towards uh, uh, hustle and economics, then nothing's sacred. There should be something in your life as African people that there isn't even a price for. See, I came up in an era that you couldn't even say that to a man. I was taught two things you don't mess with that ain't got no price on it. One of them was a man's hustle is money or his way to get his paper. Another one was his family. Yep. You know, them were automatic death sentences. The brother wasn't even talking about that. You played with his money or his family where none you could tell him. You must not like none. that individual. You did what? Oh man, well you must not like him because you yeah, know you, you go you crazy, on the wall. Right? You know you, you, you get ready to go to war, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> you want to fight? So yeah, you, you know, know it's, but as materials real. I'm sorry, say it again, Shaka. No, I said that. I said that's real. Yeah, but as materialism crept in, as we saw it creep in through the, you know, we have to begin to understand that we are the social culture. Like I said, social cultural influences. So our desires and our aspirations, whatever we put our mind to, our actions will begin to do. So commercialism becomes the order of the day. If they tell us that manhood or success is measured by this material possession, if they saw us striving toward that, see, we didn't, when we got into the whole integration, it became about the good job. It became about the position in life. It became about right, working. Right. It became, we told our children, go to school so you don't have to do what I do. So you could, it came about further economic and psychological, social, cultural separation that we pushed and promoted in our own houses. Mm-hmm. So when we talk, when we pushed success, success, do better, get money, get that paper, then we emphasize on the, 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 the part of it being the success, the material possessions, you do this for that. Then what the devil did, he said, shit, okay, y'all help me. So he whispered to our children and whispered to us, she skipped a shortcut. Here's the dope. If they're saying success is material possession, if they're saying success is money, why work, pimping? If you just you trying to get there, I can give you a shortcut. See, we lost the yeah. whole cultural aspect of it, the whole integrity in working, possession, owning mm-hmm. a man, son, a man's fingernails are dirty. Son, a man comes home sore. Son, what you doing sitting on your ass, boy? You can't be making money playing PlayStation, but you can't tell a young boy that he's making more than you. You sweating and grind. He's making more than you playing video games. Somebody knock on the door, he give him a little pack. It's hard because at the end of the day, we've told him success is what? What you own, what you possess, how much you have, what your clo- what type of clothing you wear, what you drive, and that is the goal and the objective. 
And so nothing is so nothing mm-hmm. is sacred. So he creates something that could elevate his race. You know, he creates this dance called hip hop, this thing that could elevate his race. It's not sacred, it's not held to a sacred standing. So he sells it. Now you turn on dance videos and everything, you got the white boys and the white girls. This nigga teaching hip hop dance classes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hip hop exercise. You know, you know what's crazy? They 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 teach they they teach the class and then they dress in clothing that is mimicking our clothing. Exactly. You know, they don't exactly. teach, what they do don't they teach call the hip hop dance class in a jogging suit. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that like a, a menstrual show? Don't they call it a menstrual show or yeah, something? Yeah, that's menstrual, right. That's what a menstrual show is. You yeah. put on the costume, you, you paint your face, you know, and you put a, it's a character, you know, and a lot of us, yeah. we attach it here, but even in Asian culture, you have kabuki theater in Japan where they dress up and put on makeup, and it's, it's, it's a character outside of themselves that they are either mimicking or showing you at the moment, and we do the same thing here. You know, we allow it to be done. Yep. And I think a lot of it too, brothers, you know, what you were saying, and a lot of part of it, too, is we are, we are too quick to allow others to come in and include them. You know, I, I sit back yeah. and I look at now I'm an artist. I love hip-hop. I'm a child of hip-hop. I do my thing. You know, and I, I like, okay, I like Eminem. He's a talented white boy. You know, but him coming to hip-hop, to me, is no big thing. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, all right, you know, you're nice. That's what's up. But I'm going to keep making you prove yourself because you, you're not a part of this originally. You know, you got to work harder than me. But now we'll show pictures of little black boys in China who are studying at the Shaolin Temple. And we're so happy that they're there. We feel like those are priv- they're privileged that the, the eight Chinese let them into Shaolin and they working hard. Look at them. Look at them. Or you went to the so-and-so university. You're the first graduate of West Point. Look at that, you know. But we don't do the same when it's us. When people come to our culture, especially white folks, we're just glad they're there. Wow. And then we yeah. quickly call them the yeah. best thing that you're the best thing that happened to hip hop. You know, nah, you just a talented white boy. You know that's what I mean? That's it. At the end of that's, that's it. That's it. Wait. You're, you're, an, you're like the little, to me, Eminem and others like him are like the pet that does the extra trick. And I'm really impressed. Wow, I thought you could only do this. Look at you. You can do this too. Oh, wow. Okay, next. You know what, though? That's two things that touches I, I want to say on that. One, that's to me is still that need for their approval. That just, we swear yes, we made it. When white folks step in, pat us on the back, or express some type of interest in what we're doing, we're like, see, even the white boys go checking us out. We think that we have made it. That's one. Secondly, mm-hmm. I'm one who says that I, yeah, listen, I'm a star now. I don't think, yeah, Eminem got some words he can put together that rhyme, and he puts them together quickly and quite qu- cleverly. The devil is clever. Right. Uh, but right. I don't think, no, I don't think they should be in hip hop. I think that. You know, we should have something uniquely ours and distinctly ours. You know what I'm saying? And that's an expression we do. You can enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? You can enjoy it. You can watch it. You can buy tickets to it. You can buy, you know, buy our albums, listen to it. But trying to get in this thing, I think as black people, we have to say, you know what? Yeah, man, damn, you got, that's that's nice, white boy. That's nice. But damn, you got one thing holding you back. What? My flow is tight. Uh, You white. Oh man, some shady. Yeah, shit. You are right. right. You know what I'm saying? Make make them have to do what they made us do. They made us create a whole avenue because they weren't gonna let us. So we had to create a whole nother. Go create a white avenue where you know I'll come check y'all out. There you go. (laughs) You know, 
But yeah, you only perform like the Cotton Club. On, right. We had the Chitlin circuit, where you got to perform on the non-black circuit. Right. You know. Have you have your Cotton Club? Have you a, 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 you you right? You got to make yourself like you said. You create. We created a genre. We created rhythm and blues. We created R and B. Y'all wasn't feeling us. Y'all went so far as to create rock and roll. Y'all didn't want to accept us so bad. You created alternatives. You took your your your, your wigger. You took your 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 Elvis Presleys. You know what I'm saying? And you got as close to black as you could without being black. You got the gyrating, the twerking. You got all that shit. Boy, you got as close as you could without being black. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. But we were so persistent, our music, and we're so universal that you had to be, you know what, they were like, because at the end of the day, the devil is a usurper. It's all about what I can the gain out of that. So he's like, you know what, that is some plot. They're not going to stop it. Let me, you know what, it, there's a genre for it, R&B. Right. Get a, and we did, and we did our thing. You know, but like anything, we think the devil is better than us. We did our damn thing. When they still went opening doors for us, holding us down, we had Barry Gordy. We had people that, we right. had Russell Simmons. We had people that believed in this genre, believed in this new thing that was coming up. Barry believed in this R&B thing and pushed it. Russ believed in this thing called hip-hop and was like, shit, I get behind, you know, and pushed it. And like we do, when it gets opened up and the devil sees us do the work, struggle and toil, the devil comes in. And, and and opens up. You surf, she goes around, you goes under, you open other avenues. And these greats that we had, Barry Gordy's and Russell's, we'll still run to the devil. We should have been, where's our commitment? Nah, you know, you talk to Russ, homie. You talk to Barry, right. Sony, right. Warner Brothers, y'all talk to my peeps that open this whole shit up for us. Now nah, we'll run over there and I'm going to make you the head of this hip hop division. You're going to be just as big as Russell. You're going to be just as big as, but we cut through. <laughs> White man is a devil. Exactly. And then, we, and then we get upset. Then we get upset when the Barry Gordys and the Russell Simmons are, are in a position that they have to make deals with the enemy because now they got to protect their yep. interests. And we're, we're mad at them. Yep. But if we would pre- create yep. such a strong, like you said, consumer base, using our power as consumers, there would be no need for them to have to do that because they would know we got them 100%. So if they did sell exactly. out, it would just be because, it would only be because. They just have no dignity, or they just sold out. But we we can't even, because some will say, well, Russell sold out to Rick Rubin, or Barry Gordy sold out to this one. We can't even make a substantial argument because we haven't put as much love, energy, and devotion behind our our, our culture to the point where it's like, well, you really didn't have to go over there, Russell. Why did you go over there? We were taking care of you, but yeah. it, we can't say that because we we don't take care of ourselves. You know, and that yeah. goes back to yeah. the original thing we talk about revolution. I don't think people really understand it. Like revolution is not just you know. I see a lot of people run into the military aspect of it. You know, they got the guns and the guns and then the guns. You know, but that you know, even when we patrol our community, and I'm a big advocate of patrolling your communities, and I'm a big advocate of taking you know those steps to make sure our people are safe. But at the end of the day, we got to be careful that. We're not patrolling to control, to maintain the status quo. You know, mm-hmm. we got to be, you know, are we patrolling to uphold the neighborhood as in a structure or are we patrolling because there's an enemy trying to kill our people? There's a difference now. 
You know what I mean? And I think that's, and I'm using that example with everything we do. Are we creating alternative schools because we really believe that the system ain't shit and the education is, is belittling and continues to keep us in slavery? Or are we creating these alternative schools because COVID is here? You know what I mean? Right. Like, what's your, right. what's the real reason? You know, I see people arguing, like, with this uh, Camilla Harris thing, Kamala Harris, whatever her name is. You know, okay, great, it's a great mm-hmm. argument. But at the end of the day, are you really concerned about that? Or are you just, because it's the topic of the day. Like, I don't give a fuck if it's a Joe Biden, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or whoever the next black person is. It's still the capitalist system of America with three Ks. So I don't give a damn who the president mm-hmm. is. Now, get past that, okay, are we saying, well, look, let's let's get Trump out of there and put Biden in there to show the importance and power of black voting. We're showing you, like, see how we did that? Now we could do this too. But some of us, most of us, even so-called revolutionaries, are really in fear. We can't have another four years of Trump because if we have another four years of Trump, it, it'll be 544 years of continued oppression of black people. It's not like Trump's oppression mm-hmm. is a different oppression. It's the same fucking oppression. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I'm, and I'm getting tired of that narrative coming out from people who I consider to be seasoned revolutionaries. You're act, we, we got people out here acting like Trump is the baddest white man ever. You know, mm-hmm. like this, this regime... I mean, come on, he's the, he, he's, he's the new Bull Connor. No, he's the same Bull Connor in a new day. This, man, let me, I, you, these cats, that's what I don't get. I don't get it either because I'm like, but, you know, that's how I know these dudes didn't come up like we came up, you know, and I, I forget sometimes that we, uh, you know, Cubs, Shaka, is right. like because right, right. – <laughs> You know Trump to me. I'm like, you know, what's all the boy? I didn't. Li- I'm, I'm, I'm from the Reagan era. You know right. what I'm saying? This I ain't, mean, this ain't nothing. Shit, you. Uh huh. I laughed. I said yeah. again, Reagan era. This ain't nothing. Man, man, I'm from that Reagan. I'm from that era where you would get jailed. His wife launched the war on drugs while his general was bringing crack cocaine into America. So I'm from the era where they was giving Rick Ross crack and get putting crack in the black community while Nancy Reagan was giving brothers life sentences for crack cocaine. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, we talking about Reaganomics. I don't know if many of y'all remember that, just what really drove crack, the seller and use of crack at all time high because Reagan was the Republican's king. He cut every program he could think of. Negroes was getting high to forget their problems, and people were selling dope to get out of problems. It was a terrible time. Gangbanging was at an all-time high. Unemployment was at an all-time low. So all of this, like, you know, Shock is saying, all of this so-called fear that you're having, I know that you so-called seasoned revolutionaries are biting into the fear-mongering. You're really biting into the whole thing. When the whole thing about being a revolutionary is understanding that revolution is not an event, it's a process. So if anything, at best, we should have been preparing for this moment. At best, we should have been preparing for this moment. You should have had, you know, when COVID hit and things were flying off the shelf, I hope some of you at least had some stored up goods for at least six months. Right. You know, you um, should have already had the books and the things and the discipline for your children to be homeschooled or for you to be locked down in quarantine. If you were a revolutionary, you knew 
you should have already been prepared for the moments that you might have had to hunker and bunker down. You know, at best. If not, if that didn't happen, here's an opportunity to put your all your training to work, you know. Now, I want to touch briefly on that uh, Kamala Harris. And there again, man, you took you on. Let's talk about it with Shock and Yanga. You know, press one. We'll recognize you if you want to jump in and conversate. The floor, you know, we'll open it up. Um, you know, here's my here's here's my take on that that whole thing, man. One, it's laughable. I think it is just so man is foolish, and it shows the hypocrisy and just the ignorance of all of these people who are commenting commenting on uh, Kamala Harris. And in the same breath, we're all about they don't get involved with the politics. You oh know, my God. <laughs> I, that begins to make me question your all motives. I mean, if you don't get involved right, right. with politics, don't get involved with politics. But you got a lot to say. That's one. Secondly, I tell my people who don't get them in talks to, who don't get involved in politics, they ask me, you know, well, why does it bother you so much and things of this nature? One, because I tell you how politics deals with you. And I said this on my show, so I'm not going to rehash it. You have to go back and listen to the show. Uh, it's all about politics. But I said this. is because we sleep on things that are intended for us. When Dr. Mm-hmm. King, whether you like him or not, agree with his policies or not, his uh, ideology and his method, his methodology, whether you agree with it or not, he did it and it brought about results. It had Lyndon B. Johnson signing the Civil Rights Act. He signed it in. It did that. It, it afforded us the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? It didn't work. Before then, integration was the most revolutionary thing happening. They knew segregation didn't work. Hell, they was under segregation. They knew exactly what segregation brought them. So they was like, you know what? Right. What's this integration? Let's see maybe if we live with white people. So at that particular time, that was a very revolutionary concept. So anyway, right. um, him, him, him doing that, and I don't want to lose my point. So he, they got rights enacted for for black people. Here's my problem with being ignorant to certain politics, because Kamala Harris, whether she's black or not, and I'm not saying she did do this, but I'm saying she went to Howard, which is an HBCU, historically black college university. How did she get there? Did she run on an African American scholarship? See what right. happens is. When you don't get involved in politics, these things that are directed for you, they get foreigners come in under technicalities. Because technically, she can be, if her father's black man, they moved here, and he's black, technically black, and this and that, she could go on that scholarship. But you and I know what that means. So while there's some young sister somewhere that wasn't afforded that opportunity, it's given to someone that doesn't even acknowledge themselves as a member of your race. That's what I mean by a missed opportunity. And so when you don't get involved in politics, there's a child somewhere who does get involved, who needs that scholarship, who could have used that scholarship, who is connected to us socially, culturally, psychologically, physically looking, that missed out on an opportunity because someone else connected to a whole other ethnicity, someone attached to a whole other people, rolled on a law or a privilege that you who are afforded while you're out there fighting for your rights 
when you who are afforded these certain privileges missed out on because while you're fighting for that little right, you're sleeping on the other politics that these foreigners are taking advantage of. Shit, these businesses and everything popping up in your community. Some of them are riding on loans and shit that are they're taking advantage of these laws written for you. Not that you were going to get them, but what I'm saying is I'm pointing out to you the the pimping, how the system is pimping you. And then writing that off as minorities and rights for what they do for the minorities and yada, yada, yada. While you're, you and I, our black asses, haven't received the thing. Right, right. You know, so we have to be up on that. So I say that I don't, anything in that national and federal to me is laughable. But if you are a person, and I think I heard you say this on your live too, Shaka, if you are a person who 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 does participate in the political procedures, if you feel like that that's aiding in the advancement of your people and you do participate in that political procedures, my advice to you is really dig down local. The federal, the whole federal thing, this whole presidential election is looking like a joke. Get you a buffer locally. Get you some people that you can put in place locally because locally is a lot more accessible. You can roll up on that stuff and be like, yo, 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 and support them. Get behind them. And when I say support, support in every sense of the word. Here's what I mean by support. When you support them, the same way that you show the zest and the vigor and putting them into office, be that be just as excited and as exuberant when they're in office to follow behind them, show up at their shit, let them, let the people know they have a constituency. You know what I'm saying? And support them in other ways. If you see them being enticed, seduced by the devil, you roll up on them and be like, nigga, you know we'll bust your boy. You know you know better. You know you <laughs> I, I might not can touch that white boy, but you, I knew you ain't listening to that. No, no, I'm not listening. Uh, right. Support him like that. Still be yeah. so connected that, you know, hey, you know, I go church with your mom, boy. Hey, boy, I'm still going to same school. You okay. know what I'm saying? Huh? Let him know, like, your kid and my kid go to the same school. Okay. That type of, that's community. You know, remind him of his obligation. Uh, Obligations and responsibility, him or her. But this comes from community. When we have the driftwood effect, whichever the wave takes us, you know, then there's no there's no anchor to anything. So we don't we we have that individualism is prevalent in us. It's all about what I got. It's all about me, me, me. You know what I'm saying? I got a nice house, nice car, my family cool, my kids go me, me, me. You know, right. and in that, with that mentality, knowing that you, you, you are not accepted, not even as an individual, you're tolerated. You're tolerated as an individual. Two or more of you, you're not accepted. That's a group. Three more is a gang, mm-hmm. son. Break it up. You know, so one, you're tolerated in your neighborhood, in your community, in your school, in your country club. You're just tolerated. But deep down, you know, Something is not right and you can't escape it. And I think we're either tired of the fight or afraid of the fight. But either way it goes, you must embrace it because you're going to be forced to confront it. There's no way around it. Chuck, we got somebody hit one. I've been running my gun. Let's let's bring a call with it, if you're cool with it. Yeah, no doubt. That's what we do. 404-2968. Your mic's open. 
All righty. How you doing? How you doing? Hey, I'm good. Right. I'm good, brother. How about you? Man, you know, I'm I'm doing better than most, worse than a few. I'm just hanging in there, you know, doing the best I can. Okay, okay. Right on. I heard that. You know, yeah. Well, you know, when I was younger, you know, them circumstances was dictating who I was for entirely too long as far as I care. You know what I mean to say? Right. Because, and when my circumstances started showing me myself, things started turning around in my favor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I got some friends in the back in the past, you know, in the in the good old days when I was running around doing things, and I have some people that I that I know that have been affected by our system, and 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 mm-hmm. messed with, in in a way that like, I just it makes me I can't even you know it makes me want to just get out there and just start talking about it, you know what I mean? But a lot of times, these younger people don't understand these kind of things that we talk about. As far as the as far as right. the days in the past, you know what I mean? Because only those people in the past are going to be able to understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The younger right. people, they don't hear that. They don't hear that. But um, you got to talking yeah, about it's, leaders, it's, it's, you know. Right. And a friend of mine, his name is uh, Geronimo. You might know who he is. Right, Geronimo Geronimo Pratt. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. Pleasant. Yes, sir. Man, what a sweet guy, man. He's the sweetest guy I think I've ever met, you know, as far as I know. He was the, he he was he was he was a badass, but he never acted like he was. He just mm-hmm. was. You know, he was real. And uh he spoke to me and when he was speaking to me, you know, he was speaking with some wisdom that that means just the stuff that I can't even put words to. It's just something that affected me. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Mhm. Mhm. And, and mm-hmm. so there was no bullshit between us, you know, when we was talking. So I just kind of was liking that, you know what I mean? That kind of a that kind of a relationship like that, right. you know, where there's no bu- no bullshit. Right on. Yeah, man. So I can't I heard put that, into man. words. Can't put into words exactly how it all happens, you know what I mean? But but I know who I am, and I had this guy in my past. It was a, a light, you know, a beacon of light, and it still shines right now. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's all it's that's about, all. man. That's, you know, that's basically, you know, what we, and I appreciate, man, I appreciate the call, too, brother. That's what's up. Right, right. Basically, right. you know, all, all you can do, man, is is utilize things in your past to be gauges for where you're trying to go in the future. You know, I, I do that. If I run across dynamic people in my past that have shared some, imparted some wisdoms to me, you know, they just stick with me. If I'm doing something contrary to that wisdom, that voice will probably in my head be like, man, you know, I mean, now my man speak game better than that. You know what I'm saying? And that's how you show appreciation for people that you run across is that you learn from the the, the, the jewels that they took the time to give you. So that's what's up, to be able to learn from such a great as uh, uh, Brother Geronimo. Uh, may the creator be definitely pleased with our dear brother uh, uh, Pratt. Uh, man. Is is definitely what's up, but you said he said something that was key too, man. When he talked about the young people and you know that connection to the past, and I think that that's important because a lot of times our young people think that we're trying to restrict them or constrict them, hold them to something that, and that's not the case. What I think we end up seeing as now that I'm at this age, I'm at the age I was when, when the older cats were rapping to me, is, 
you know, why are we why are you trying to recreate the wheel? One of the things I think that the Vietnamese really embraced in their struggle and that helped them against uh all of these colonizers that was coming in is that they embraced the whole concept of a protracted struggle. The whole concept of a generational struggle. They taught, like Shock and I were talking about earlier, it became a part of their culture. Revolution and resistance was a part of their culture. Mothers were teaching that to the infants. When they were being conceived, they were being conceived by revolutionaries. Revolutionaries slept with revolutionaries. So the whole spirit of revolution was in the bedroom or wherever the child may have been conceived. And the mothers were revolutionary, and the fathers were revolutionary. So during the whole incubation period and gestional um, periods, revolution was fed to this, to this fetus. And I think that that's, and it goes on up through their schooling, through everything, just from having breakfast to reading their school book. Revolution is an integral part of their day-to-day existence. And it is imperative for us to begin, if not, if we're not at the level to begin revolutionary instruction to make it intrinsic, intrinsic, to interweave it and all that good stuff and those great words that mean entwine it, to mix it in with our day-to-day, at least, at the very least, the culture of resistance. And what that looks like, why do I say resistance? Because it's, that's a little more... Uh, 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 applicable. That's a little easier to swallow. Is resistance because resistance starts with just teaching good, basic, common sense that is super relative to them as black children to us as black beings. That's 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 what the resistance is. Resist the urges to follow the footsteps of the devil. Resist those things that are unnatural to your body, son, daughter. That causes destruction to you, son, daughter, directly, and that is harmful to others in the world, but specifically and particularly, check, double-check, recheck, check again to make sure that not one black soul is harmed to that extent. That's resistance to the point where you absolutely had to. Where he was a nigga, Dad. Ah, he ran across a nigga, yeah, Dad. Ah, I hate those two. You know, damn. You know, we hate them. But in the, but but I understand me being a naturalist, me being a spiritualist, and see, I don't conflict between the two. Spirituality and natural things that are natural, they're one and the same to me. You know, the creator manifests through natural forms. I, I have no problem with that. So I understand the natural process of evolution, and evolution is that the weak must die off so the nigger will eventually die so that the black man can rise, the black woman can rise, the nigger must die. The nigger must eventually die. Die, nigger, die. He has to. She has to. The nigger is a creation. The nigger is, is, is a servant to this whole system. The nigger is the oil that keeps this system flowing. The nigger is the justification behind the senseless and brutal murders of black people. The nigga is the justification behind the uh, uh, disproportionate sentencing of black and brown people in America. They justify it on the nigga, the recidivism rate. The nigga keep coming back to jail. 
Niggas must up the crime. Three strikes. Niggas. And niggas are the reason we can't get out of the box because when you say nigga, they looking at you, nigga, let's get free. Niggas say, man, I ain't trying. I ain't messing with them. Niggas don't fight. Niggas do all the things to bring the heat, but niggas don't fight. Yep. Hold on. Hey, uh, let me, yes, sir. You guys, I, just, I mean, yeah, I'm here. I think, like, for the brother that's okay. on the line, it's, it's definitely an honor to meet people like Geronimo Jajaga Pratt, who I've had the pleasure of meeting in my life too. And he's right. That's one of those individuals that puts a stamp on your on your on your brain and in your heart that'll never go away. And I think what we need to do to honor those individuals is to continue to teach what they taught us, you know, and don't let ourselves get in our own way. A lot of times in this struggle, because of our, you know, Abrahamic and Judaic backgrounds with Christianity and religions and stuff, we tend to get in our own way. You know, we we become less than human. See, one thing I learned from being around people like Geronimo and others of that generation, they were very human. They were very, you know, yeah. they, they had flaws and issues, and they would tell you, like, yeah, I got this, I do this, or this is not, I'm working on that. That way they, they became practical, something that I could obtain, something that I could be, and I know in my lifetime I can reach that mark. You know, and we got to get back to that because mm-hmm. a lot of times, a lot of us talk about this revolution, damn it, on some, some religious level, and you got to be the perfect being before you can take the first step. You know, and that's bullshit, and we need to stop teaching that bullshit. Because we, we turn yeah. our young off. Because our young are like, well, hey, yo, I smoke weed right now. Or I, I, I drink a little drink right now. Or I do this, that, no. I guess I ain't good enough for that. And that's bullshit because how can you not be good enough when you're just as oppressed as I am? You know? Exactly. And part of the struggle is along the way you're going to work through all those things as we get older. But you don't wait till you get there first. And that's some, some real up bullshit that has been taught by those who want to maintain power, the 10% you know, who are the ones that know the truth yep. and conceal the truth only for their benefit. They teach that backwards methodology to young people so that they don't rise up, so that they don't challenge. Because the one thing about being young, you're going to challenge some shit. You know, I'm 51, but I'm Man, young. you're going to challenge so right. Yeah, I'm still young. You know, I'm not, we, we not, I'm not sitting on no perch like I'm king of the mountain. I'm, I'm, I'm a baby at this, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm a baby within the realm of physicality, and I'm a baby within struggle because I've only been here and, and actively a part of it for X amount of years. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to challenge mm-hmm. some things. But to silence the challenge, what you do is you create this, like you said, this package that prevents us from moving forward. And that's the first thing we got to conquer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. I agree with that. Absolutely. You know, and that's and and uh, I agree with like you said, going back to the whole, you know, having not just because I think we should have the religious zest, but having the religious constructs, you know, that right. you got to be holier than thou before you can speak on an issue, you know. And here's the funny thing about that: I have a dear brother of mine, man, um, Bilal Salahuddin Abu Ubaida, my man. Uh, African-American, black brother here from America, very studious and studied Muslim brother, though. And I had said that to him one time. I said, man, you know, we were discussing something, and a brother came up, and I said, man, you know I knew that. And he said, man, why didn't you advise the brother? I said, well, brother, you know, I'm working on my thing, and, you know, who am I? 
this type of old humble, grandiose type of attitude I thought I was taking. He said, man, if every brother took that, there would be no teachers and no correction. He said, if every brother thought, like you think, brother, let me get myself together before I address my brother, he is like, man, we'd be in trouble. You know, it, 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 it's not only do it, the problem is, do we think we have to be holier than thou to address? But like you said, go back and you said that wonderfully, that they've implanted us in that, so implanted that in us so deeply that we can't even receive the wisdoms of someone who uh, is going through it. I mean, like, yo, if the dude's smoking dope, if he's smoking crack, and he's like, boy, I'm trying to tell you, boy, don't, hey, man, don't do this. Well, you can't tell me nothing. You over there, how? Let me get that. Let me hit it. You over there, you you over there, smell like boo boo and pee. You over there, broke teeth missing and shit. Give me, let me hit that. You can't tell me nothing, man. Come on, man. We gotta just use, you know, uh, uh, common sense. But this that whole waiting on the Messiah, needing a savior. That very thing that has us in the economic that that allows them to economic exploit us, socially and culturally suppress us physically oppressors, you know what I'm saying, is this whole waiting on this Messiah, waiting on this Savior to come, not realizing that you absolutely have complete and total control over you. You have complete and total control over you. And if you don't like something, and that, and, it's, and this may sound tough, and it is somewhat fatalistic because those are the times that we're living in, if you don't like something going down over you, you have two options. You can fight it or you can capitulate. You can fight it or you can accept it. That's it. That's the only choice you got. I know people say, well, Yang, you, you, you say that you ain't fighting. You know, my fight not, may not be your fight. I may be preparing for a bigger fight. My fight may be this way this time and that way this, you know. But you, I know that there's only two choices. I know I never have the choice to grumble. Not without right. some action. You know what I'm saying? I never had a choice. Everybody got to call Mala Harris and this lesser two evils. Lesser two evils. Man, listen, I've never <laughs> been anywhere but in America. When has there never been an evil? Lesser two evils? All of it's been evil. It's, it's, I, I don't get that. Like there's never been a good choice. Like there's never been good versus evil. Uh, it, it's always been evil. The, the whole system, right. before I could participate in it, was evil. The conceptualization, what it was built and founded on, is immoral, is wicked, it's brutal and barbaric. And not only will they not acknowledge it and apologize, they're not going to recompensate, repay, or, or repatriate anybody for that damn crime that was committed against the people. So it ain't never been a part where it ain't equal. I don't even think, or not evil. I don't even think that's the question. I look at it as like being on the slave plantation. Before you run, before you break, you picking cotton. You participating in the process like hell. Um, yeah. But you whispering where you got to whisper. You building where you got to build. You doing what you got to do. You ain't out there... Uh, Man, I don't know why y'all, y'all participating in this shit. You're supposed to be revolutionary. Right, right. You're the first nigga to hear nigga gonna knock off. You ain't even doing nothing. You out there running your mouth. No, when man come on that right. horse, you pick more cotton than anybody. 
<laughs> right? So, you know, that's my excuse me. I had to take a, a little drink. That's my whole take on it. I mean, we have to be, you know, real about it. My thing is, I don't, you know, it's like every field nigga didn't despise every house nigga. That's what we have to understand. We have to dispel that mess, myth. We despise the house niggas that really begin to believe that they were master shadow. That really begin to separate themselves from my struggle and see themselves as a special class of Negro. But you had that house nigga. You had that housewoman. Man or woman in there that still had that. They had cousins in the field. Their children was in the field. Their pape was in the field. Their babies was in the fields. They still had that connection. And the field kept that connection. If we could get that connect going, and don't let it be on some revolutionary shit, when master go to church, so-and-so, so-and-so, when this and that, so-and-so, so-and-so, an extra biscuit here, an extra piece of sugar there. We have to stop thinking that we have the luxury to pick and choose what tools and instruments we're going to use for our liberation, our advancement. We don't have that luxury. If you got somebody in the house calling themselves participating in the so-called political system, you need to try to get their ear. If you call that a house nigga before you write them off as an official house nigga, we need to get their ear. Don't alienate them and isolate them. Don't turn them against the struggle with the black masses. Don't make them uh, get to a point where they don't see themselves in the collective. Don't aid because they're already being seduced. They're already living a uh, a life that is unrealistic to the majority of the people from whence they come. When they're in there speaking for these so-called black masses, they can't identify with a lot of them from their birth. A lot of them have been going to private schools. I've been going to. You might catch a congressman or a senator that slide up there real quick and slick that might have got from the hood, but they usually don't get out of local politics. So a lot of these people represent you, and if they were in local politics, they still, a lot of them, don't identify with you. They didn't come from those neighborhoods, so you have to make sure if you got people in politics that participate in politics, that are all giddy and excited about the election and votes, you need to be trying to school them, even if you don't vote. Yo, man, who you voting for? Why? 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 Why is that important? Why? You know, every instrument, every instrument, get out of this, this, this commercialism, this materialism, this foolishness, this selling our souls. That's why I can't wait the next week when the uh, show come on with the OGs. This selling our souls. The very thing that they, you know, a lot that they fought against. They fought for our self-determination, self-sufficiency, understanding who was black and what that meant against an imperialist capitalist machine that was stomping down on them, not just militarily like shockers always saw. Shockers now always talk like shockers seeing everybody's coming with these guns or some of these guns, thinking that revolution is just that aspect of military, not understanding the war waged against us and generally and them specifically, psychologically. Socially, the economic war weighs against us and against them. Man, a lot of not just of our freedom fighters are dying and languishing behind enemy lines, but, man, you talk about the, the, the economic suppression put on them, you'd be surprised how many greats 
or just above poverty, if if any. You'd be surprised. All you running around with these damn berets and patches and buttons. Go visit some of these rappers. See, you ain't never visit them. You never sat with them in their apartments and stuff like that. While you running around talking that stuff, there's no reward in this. They're not sitting around fat cats like these ministers, Creflo dollars and all that old stuff. These people that actually put in time and work, a lot of them just barely above poverty. If, and and those that have made it above and are living comfortably are working, a lot of times you find. Still have to, you know what I'm saying, man? You have to understand the, the turmoil and the pain that we go through as a, as a people. And Sean, you can jump in any time, man. I'm just rapping because I think what's, what's happening to me is you get when you sit back and you watch where we're going as a people and what we're trying to accomplish, it's, it becomes more and more confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't hear one unified, unique message. I, I think one thing is there is there is one unified uh, message that I see, and correct me if I'm wrong, I say this. I think the unified message is that niggas think we're going to actually get out of this without a fight. <laughs> you know, we, that's un, that's definitely the unified message I'm getting. And I'm not saying it to be some tough, macho, you know, because at the end of the day, no man that has ever seen blood wants to see blood again. Let's be clear about that. All right? So I'm not John Wayne, John Rambo, and all that other bullshit. I'm not trying to be, you know, Richard Roundtree Shaft and all that. There's nothing glorious or nothing great about hurting another human being under any circumstances. But looking at the situation now, we tore up this whole country in the past three months. Corner to corner, there has been conflict. But yet, I continue to see pictures of police still with foots on black people's necks, literally. Still pulling guns out, shooting black people down the streets, literally. We ain't even... 90 days past George Floyd and all, all the other situations that happened, the Breonna Taylors and all that, but yet the reports keep coming in. So at this point, I'm like, man, what else is there to do? What else is left? You know, when we can't find justice in the system, when do we get up and say to the judge, that's all right, Your Honor, we'll be taking over from here? When do we make that statement as a people? And yes, it's going to take sacrifice. Yes, people well, going to get hurt. A lot of, but when do we collectively put it out there? And I'm putting it out there tonight. Like, if you think that you're going, we're going to get anywhere without an armed struggle, you're a goddamn fool. You know, all everything else is great, but if you're not putting that on the table as a, a reality, part of that puzzle, it's like starting a business and expecting never to take a loss. That's why people get insurance. That's why they get loss prevention because they know that their employees are going to steal from them and that people are going to take from the streets and, you know, deliveries are going to get interrupted. They know this, so they prepare for it. The American system has what we call payouts. Oh, you lost your son? Here's $40 million. You lost your daughter? Here's $100 million. You lost your dog? Here's $2 million. You know, that's not them paying you because they feel sorry about what the fuck they're doing. That's them reaching into the pot that they've created to pay you off because they understand in order to keep these niggas in check, we got to kill a couple of them. Mm-hmm. We gonna have to kill a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And so you 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 race soldiers called police, yeah, a couple of y'all gonna have to go down too. So they're creating money 
to take care of their families because they're going to have to go down. There's going to be some interruption to your life, and we're going to have to pay these niggas off because we're going to have to kill a couple of them. And we got to stop looking at it as a victory because somebody put some money on it. You know, uh, Sister Corinne Gaines was gunned down in her apartment in front of her baby, taken from a snatch from us by these racist bastards, and they throw a couple of million at her. People walk around and well, at least they paid her. That's good. They paid her some money. At least her family would be okay. How can you be okay? Is she coming back? You know, is brother mm-hmm. Kareem Gaines going to mm-hmm. be able to hold his daughter again? That's not, that's not, is her son going to be able to sit with his mom again? That's never coming back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the only way that it's going to stop is if we stop accepting these payoffs or God damn it, you take that payoff money and you build institutions to make sure nobody else needs a payoff. Bottom line, yep. this ain't shit talking. This is real talking. Well, you know, I, I agree. I think what ends up happening, though, is like you said, that caused what they did was call our bluff. When you still see those pictures with uh, the foot, the feet on black people's necks, that is the police calling our bluff. And so when you talk about, you know, confront them saying, hey, man, if y'all don't stop, this is going to happen. You know, you're talking about these same cats that get up and, go to jobs and really start looking at, like I said, you know, no disrespect to them, but they're fighting to keep their amendments. The fact that they have rights in the first place means that they're law-abiding. You're talking revolution. George Jackson, since we're in Black August, George Jackson said, you know, the revolutionary must come to grips with being outlawed. That's that, you know, that's the exiting phrase for a lot of them, outlaw. Wait a minute, man. You know what I'm saying? I got man, that'll jeopardize my job. <laughs> so they, yeah, I ain't messing with you. I got to go work on Monday. Right, right. I got to be man. I can't, you know, I can't go to jail over the weekend. So these cats, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, factors involved with that. But I totally agree. You know, I totally agree. It has to be. It's like some. It has to be some recompense. You know, my thing is, I tell them, I. That's what I ask them. What are they asking for? I mean, what are you trying to fight for? Are you fighting for inclusion in the system? What are you saying? You're not even concise in that. If I if if I personally involved myself in the political process and really got down and all that type of stuff, I'd be demanding that when you kill a black person that it's elevated to a hate crime. Straight up. You know, I'd be clear of what I'm looking for. You shoot for. a police dog. I'm like, that, right? That, that's the uh-huh. right. When I if I shoot a if I shoot a police dog, I get the death penalty exactly. if it's allowed it in the state, and if it's not allowed, a mandatory life sentence. A dog. Ex- a you dog. See what I'm saying? A dog that has a mandatory right that has a a a deterrent greater than you and I. It make it make you think twice. Like shit, I shoot the dog, I might as well keep on shooting. I'm not advocating anybody shoot the police. By the way, Shock and I are not advocating that. Which is using that as an example. So, uh, you know, and, and and that's what I'm saying. I would be clear and concise if I was into the politics to that degree. What I want, you know, yeah, I want to elevate it. It should be to this and that. You know, it should be a hate crime. When you murder one of us, it should be a deterrent. Because it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know what this country was founded on. You know the sentiment. You know what I'm saying? You can't make anyone like you. That's just the bottom line. So we need something that is going to stop them when they on one drunk Friday night from uh, attaching one of us to the back of a truck and riding down the highway. 
Right. You see what I'm saying? You know? I know be and, and I'm talking about white or black. I know black people are gonna get mad at me. What do you mean white or black? White or black. I know Negroes right. three or four times three four Negro, three four black people. He back in the damn neighborhood, you're like, damn I thought they got rid of him. How did he get back? He killed them two niggas already. They released right. them back into our community. So there so there is right. no deterrent for black life and then you let him kill us. Black in our, back in our community, hoping that maybe a family member or a friend will retaliate and do something. You're exacerbating the problem. You're just creating more social strife in our community. So the devil is a devil on every level, way, shape, form, and fashion. And we mm-hmm. have to be the insulin against that. We have to see that ploy. You know what you know, I'm it, saying? It's funny you said so that. Those because, huh? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, broke. I thought we stopped. Go ahead. Well, go ahead, go ahead. Now, you know, we got that delay, so I. Yeah, between our two, we like those correspondents. <laughs> now, I was sure. saying that it's funny you brought up the, the recycling of the black criminal element into the black community for the purpose of uh, refilling jails, basically. You know, you put him back out there, he does what he does, somebody retaliates, we get more in the jails. But I keep hearing this um, sentiment in the black community. When a black person is shot, there's no rally there's no demonstration but as soon as a cop shoots a black person it's all it's going on and on and i want to be clear man you know when when one of us kills one of us one there are people who are saying this is enough is enough but the reason you're not going to hear such a a big roar is because it is called crime you know it's a crime it's not a racial incident so we have to deal with the issue of what causes crime and how do we get rid of crime and if you want to get rid of crime you will find yourself talking about white supremacy, which has created an unequal situation where there are those in the society who feel they have to commit crime in order to get the basics, whether it's a psychological mm-hmm. respect or whether it's an economical gain. So you're not going to have the same rally. So I wanted to put that out there because recently this week, I think it was a little Good white point. boy that got, the, the little white boy got shot in the head. And, you know, you have people who are memeing. And that's another thing. You got to be careful what you read because it's easy to take a picture and make a narrative. So they were saying, little white boy so-and-so was shot just because he was white. Where is the cry? How come there's no cry? And you had a lot of ignorant niggas who were jumping on board saying, yeah, that's true, though. That's true. Because if it would have been a cop with a black man, it would have been this, that, and the other. Well, first of all, the little white boy that got shot, I'm not taking nothing from the loss of a life, but the little young white man that got, white boy that got shot by the black man, his father and the black man were doing drugs together. That wasn't brought up. The father is a habitual drug addict. There was an argument that pursued or ensued in the house, and, and shoot, shooting started. So this little boy was not snuffed out because of his color. He happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he happened to have parents who put him in a dangerous situation. Had that thing happened in the black community, we would have known the history of the father and the mother. We would have known that they were, were, were drug addicts, this, that, and the other. And then the next issue would have been like for the mother who, or the father, even though you lost your child, you're going to jail for for child endangerment, blah, 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 blah. So we got to really get the narrative yep. to understand what's going on here, man. Like, even with all that, the white parents of this unfortunate horror are still getting off because there's no further persecution against them. It's the only focus on this black man who killed this little white boy. So still yep. racism prevails. So we got to stop beating around the bush and playing with that, man. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, though, because we don't like the criminal element in our community. We don't like the fact that you can kill a black man and get a 5 to 15. You kill a goddamn dog, a police dog, and get life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you black and kill a mm-hmm. black person, 
you should face the maximum because you're still taking a black life. Exactly. Exactly. Or or the alternative, like the revolutionaries would say, which is, you know, turn them over to us. But we know that you won't allow us to police, to to judiciate, uh, and uh, execute whatever uh, punishment we we fed Mr. Crime in our community. You won't allow us self-governance. So we're saying since you're not allowing us at this particular time, uh, that that right. that opportunity, then we're saying that if you govern us, then it should be shit stiff. The penalty should be stiff for exterminating one of us, and we shouldn't demand anything less. You know what I'm exactly. saying, man? Like you said, killing a dog will get you that much, get you life or murdered, executed, you know. So, absolutely, absolutely. We have to make our life worth something. But really, it's just being clear on on what we want, what we believe. And there, there again, I go back to really knowing our place and really knowing uh, how this how nationally, internationally, we're seen as to what we really are. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, we we first came biting to the hype, whether that's positive or negative. We have to get a real, like, ascertain, really ascertain of where the hell we are in the global scheme of things. You know, that's just, I mean, that's the that's the damn bottom line. If we're going to move. We, we, we can't buy into the hype. We cannot buy into the hype. Yeah. 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 That's and, how, and we, you know, that's a lot how we too. easily just. Exactly. Well, you said something. You know, no, I was agreeing with you. I was saying exactly. You know, like you said, we can't bite into the apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you find many, and you find many of us doing it, and especially in this age. I mean, my, you know what, man? I, it's really. I'm sure it has to be quite tough for younger people. It really has to be quite tough for younger people. My really. Not coming up like that with internet, social media, and and I do know some people my age who still swear by it, but that's a little bit of my saving grace. I'm still book era. I'm looking at a couple a book right now. I've been reading on. Can't wait to get back to after the program. So I'm that's mm-hmm. kind of my saving grace. But the young people who are in this just information age, just information overload. Everything is at the push of a button. It takes so much away from. Um, just building character in in so many aspects of the word. Here's what I mean: to be a there's a certain mannerism that comes with being a student. There's a certain character. There's a certain way. There's a certain method. A certain discipline. That's where the word disciple comes from. It's a certain discipline to be in a student. When you can push a button and listen to anybody and all these. You know, so-called scholars pop up. Even though you're getting this information in your head, you still are not getting the discipline mm-hmm. of being a student. And with that discipline comes, what comes with that discipline is how to retain, how to get the information, and then how to disseminate it, how to ask questions. Good teachers can tell if you are a good student or if you are a good student by the questions you ask and the manner in which you ask them. So we, we they don't have that. This internet, social media age has taken that. And then secondly, it has taken 
the authenticity away from real scholars. Right. Scholarship is judged by views now, likes. You know what I'm saying? Hell, if scholarship was judged by likes and views, I know a piano playing monkey that must be the smartest thing in the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, so it's taken away from the authenticity of the teachers, of the scholars, of the learned people, because everybody has a channel, a podcast, a Facebook page, a gram, a tweet, a snap, a chat, whatever. You know, and our young people are being flooded by information, and they're regurgitating that, and it's not substantiated by anything. You know, when he's coming on, you got to be bagging that shit with something. You Like you said, it's Black August. Yeah. <laughs> I, listen, this is a good segue since it's Black August. We we used to have to substantiate. George Jackson said, you know, um, 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 Brother Cleaver said, or, uh, you know, uh, Solid right, right, right. something. You could go back to a reference point. You know, now it's just regurgitated, and you like, well, where do you get that from? I, I, I'm going to send you the link. And they send you this, and you pull up some clown in a goofy, goofy, speaking some shit. You're like, man, if you don't stop, you you know what I'm saying? I mean, so where this clown get it from? The, the, the Internet is not the authenticator. You know, where you get it from, brother? I'm just going to send you the link, man. And that's as far as your research went. We have to, you know, that, that type of thing. So it's hard for, I'm sure it's hard for young people to really, to get what to hold to that would be solid and sacred. What is not just a part of the whole show. Because everything seems to be a part of the pageantry. Everything. Religion now, you turn on, there's everybody speaking on that. Mysticism, spiritualism, convention, the Abrahamic faith. Politics, uh, everything from how to school in a light bulb. So, what is sacred? What is profound? What is, you know, part of the black culture that should be held near and dear? That which I shouldn't sell out. That which shouldn't have a price to it. Well, you know, there, there's you no know, society like you talk about teachers and scholars and students. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you when you when you elevated, you were part of a a, a fraternal order, a society. You know, and you worked hard to get into that. So you earned the right to speak. You earned the right to advance. Like you said, it's just a push button now. I can push a button, and I'm going to teach you all of a sudden. You know? So nobody wants to – you can't have a structure that requires people to listen to other people because I can listen to anybody I want. If I don't like your opinion, I just go get another channel. Yeah. You know? Or if yeah. I don't like you, you might be my teacher, but – you know, we were growing up, if I didn't agree with something that, or even agree with my teacher at the moment, maybe I have a, a moment where we just ain't getting along. But no other teacher is going to accept me because they know I'm so-and-so student. No, you're going back over there, and, you you know, I know yep. your teacher very well. He's a, he's a good guy. Maybe you're, you're all going through it, but I'm not going to take you in my class because as a teacher or an instructor, I am disrespecting that teacher by taking a wayward student who wants to come to me because – you don't have the discipline as a student to understand the path that your teacher is putting you on. No, going back over there, there you and go and get and deal with that. Absolutely. Going back to what you were saying, no fraternities anymore, no societies. 
built for that, and there's no therefore there's no discipline. When you lose right. that mannerism, that integrity, and and you know just because you, you know how this show we've been we're, we've been students of many things, but the key word of that is student. You know there was a discipline that came with it, and you saw the fruits of those labor. You know too many times. We're caught up in the now. I call this the microwave age. They would want to put it on two minutes and bing, it's done. You know, so they're quick to say something that sounds fly, but it's not tested. It sounds good, but it hasn't produced any fruit. You just put that seed in the ground, or you just saw that seed planted. You just heard that. You know, that's a Johnny come, come, come lately. And it's not that anybody is critiquing the individual. Don't take it so personally. It's just saying that you're coming with something new against a lot of times that are tried and tested theory. Right. Well, ain't they, I don't see nothing working, brother. Ain't nothing working, brother. Exactly. That doesn't mean that the theory wasn't tested. It means that that particular example and model didn't only extend it so far. Like we look at the breakfast program. How are you going to reinvent the world that has been tried and tested? The government came in and did something better, get free breakfast. So, therefore, that program must evolve to something else. Now we need to look at the, like what you talk about, shotgun shit. Now we need to look at the farming program. Make the government give us free right. farmland shit. You want to keep one up in us? We have free breakfast. Now y'all want to get free breakfast? Let us do the farmland program. See if they start giving us free right. farmland. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. So, so exactly. That's the lesson. You know. You know. And, so now exactly. it's and that's what we really gotta get at. Exactly. <laughs> what was you saying, brother? <laughs> no, I'm just laughing what you said. But in that is is a lesson within itself. You know, because we did something, we saw the result, and we said, okay, well, if that's going to be the result, this is our next move. But all that took time, right. like you said. It didn't happen overnight. You know, that took, what, 30-some-odd years for us to come to that conclusion that, oh, wow, if we do this, they're going to do that, so we need to do this. Exactly. Exactly. It seems like most people just gave up the fight, said, okay, you know, well, and didn't see the fight imperative. But like you said, the real revolution, I said, okay, you know what, it's time to separate. So I hear you, you know, and brothers like yourself out there, which is the revolution is land. You know, free the land. we got to get the land. You know what I'm saying? We've got to free up the land. That's what free the land means. We're not telling, we're not going to the white man, free the land. We're, that's a war cry to us. Yo, y'all be free the land, homie. Go get the land. Grab the land. Get that money. Go in his pocket. You know, that's what we tell us. Right, right. Going to the white man, free the land up. Nah, we, that's the scramble cry. That's what us in the streets call it, the scramble cry, the house of cry. Free the land. You, you, we, we're letting you know what the prize is, what the fight is. The land. Grab the land. Right. Free it up. You know what I'm saying? So that's why we say free the land by any means. Free the land up. So that, that we, we, we elevate to, to the next level. We did the programs. They came back. They're counteracting the programs. They're doing all of those things. I'm sorry if I missed the call. If I missed the call, push, push one again. I'm just looking to my computer. And we'll get you back in on our last couple minutes. Um, so... You know, now we have to step up the now we have to step up the game and right. see what the results is. But it goes back to what Shaka and I talk about. That that has been that's what you call tried and tested. 
and the result has come from it. And now the ball is back in our court. Let's go to these phone lines real quick, Shaq. Nine oh one fifty six seventeen. Your mic's open. Hey, how you doing, brother? Hey, what's good, going brother. How about brother? yourself? Did Hassan calling from Memphis, Tennessee? Yes, sir. Good to see. You. Hey, what's up, brother? What's, what's going on, brother? What's, what's going on? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Just uh, yes, want to tell some few points that I've been like been talking about down this way about this Republican and Democrat party. Well, a lot of brothers don't understand what I'm trying to. I'm trying to teach them, like I'm like, hey, get them to understand that it's not it's not a, it's not a difference between a Republican and a Democrat. They're both the same. And mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get them to understand is this right here, is that okay? You look at Trump and you talk down about about him, and then then you say this about a uh, about the Harris woman. But she, but I look at it like she's in the same boat as Trump because she's against a black mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to explain to him and to the other brothers, like they take back take my phone back and forth. I'm like, ooh, like y'all gotta understand, y'all sleep. If y'all sleep out here in these streets, I'm trying, I'm trying to put you up on the gang, trying to put you, trying to open your eyes to the light. You, you behind closed doors. You, the door gonna smack you in the face every time. You think these folks for you? Mm-hmm. I said. So, so I had to go. So I had to go back to 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 President Obama. I had to go back to Obama. I said when Obama was in the office, if you name me one thing besides ten curve that he did for the black community, let me know. Everybody okay. quiet, like like mm-hmm. like y'all listening now, like y'all listening. It's quiet. You hear pistol drop. Can nobody <laughs> tell me answer? Can nobody give me answer? So I, I'm like, okay. So so he gave so, him phones. Obama gave everybody phones. Then. <laughs> they gave yeah, they just, <laughs> why? That's it. And so I'm That's like, it. I'm like, I'm like. So in, in our age, in our time, yeah, it, we, we, it's our first time seeing a black president. This in our time, but he wasn't the first black president. I said, if y'all mm-hmm. y'all got to go dig deep and read y'all history, man. If y'all want to read, you go get something to read and find out who the first black president was. And, I, right. and I told him, like, mm-hmm. I had space with my brother. That it was that it was a guy. He spent two years mm-hmm. in, in terms. And, and so, and I had to tell my brother that, my brother, like, now he wasn't the first black player. Yes, he was. He spent two years term. Then he was the president for two years. Yep. Back then, Y'all they didn't have four years term. They only had four years. So you, so he, mm-hmm. the president got killed. He became president for two two, two terms. So, dude, I said, right. man, y'all, so I, I get argued with it every time, all the time. I don't argue with him. I let him talk. Everybody talk. Let y'all talk. I even go live on my on my uh, on my Facebook page. Uh, you know, I saw I'm start I, like I like I was telling y'all last time I started this uh this nonprofit organization called Black Unity, and it's I'm I'm I'm, I'm still trying to consider getting all the getting all the black youth together because like I say every yeah. day uh, every day is a killing every day like every thirty seconds is a killing here in Memphis. It don't matter mm-hmm. what it is. And I don't even look on. I don't even look for Black Lives Matter no more. I stopped looking at that past oh. it, but it ain't about them. It's about right. us. How you change something in your neighborhood? You got to go attack it by us people. Us people got to come together and attack what's going on. 
And so it's good, brother. You are, you a good example, and I'm glad, brother Hassan, that you're on the line, because we were just saying to all of the memo mouth naysayers who always say, "Well, what we doing about the the, the black people killing black people? How come we ain't fussing?" You, brother Hassan, yeah. brother, are a clear hold on, hold example on. Me, of those people. Brother Hassan, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Brother Hassan, yeah, I hear you. Man, listen, you can You want to call in, brother? You want to drop that science on the last six minutes of the show? I got three minutes now, <laughs> brother. And I, I saw you've been on for a minute, man. You know, hey, listen, you was one of the brothers I was about press one. I always know you got something interesting, man, and dope to share with us. But I got three minutes left, brother. You going to be in next Tuesday? I'll be in next Tuesday. I'll be, I'll hey, be we're going to have Tuesday. some hard hitters on next Tuesday. We're going to have some, some real hard hitters. So you got you to gotta definitely tune in next Tuesday. So I hate I had to cut you short in it. You know what I'm saying? But we roll down to our last three minutes. I want to give Brother Shaka an opportunity to say something in the last minute or so, man. You want some closing remarks, Brother Shaka? Yeah, man. I just want to say to brothers like Hassan and sisters that are doing that work, if you call it on a Tuesday and you can't get through, contact us. Brother Yenga has a, has a live. I do lives. We, we want to get your story out there. We want people to understand that there are people out there doing that work day to day. Because these people who, who take our movement and, and pimp it have, have people thinking that they're the only thing going on. And there's a grassroots movement. But y'all, you guys have to call in. You have to contact us and utilize our platforms to get your message out there. You have to do that. We can't do it for you. Wakusa. Hey, man. With that, I couldn't have said it better. So I'm going to leave you with the Wakusu. Wake up, clean up a king up, and stand up. Exactly, you know, and uh, for the sisters, queen up too. Don't want to leave your sisters out. Queen up, queen up. Yeah. 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 Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one god to show me how to do things the sun did pure. Like a cup of virgin blood Mixed with 151 One sip will make a nigga flip Writing names on my hollow tips Plotting shit, mad violence Who I'm gon' body This hood politics acknowledging Leave bodies chopped up in garbages Seeds watch us Grow up and try to follow us Police watch us Roll up and try knocking us One knee I duck Could it be my time is up With my luck I got up The cops shot again Bust stop glass burst A fiend dropped his Heineken Ricocheting between the spots That I'm hiding in Blacking out I shoot back Fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat To the death of it, to everybody, come on Little niggas is grown, hood rats Don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon Shit from the stars, sun and the moon And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers Sick of kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die, with nine out This is what nine's about, nigga, the time is now All 
I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six went into you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never gets shot up. Bullets tear through. 